What's going on everybody? My name is JP. I'm a local physical therapist here in San Diego dedicated specifically to helping soccer athletes overcome pain and injury. And I'm so excited about today's guest. He's somebody that we have mutual friends and I hear about him all the time in the community. We have Phil from oneononesoccer.com and today, actually I'm going to let Phil go ahead and introduce himself and let you know the audience know who he is, where he comes from, and more about his background and then where you are today. So Phil, why don't you fill in the audience about all the information there? Hi, um, so my name is Phil Tate. I'm based currently in San Diego. I own oneonesoccer.com and oneoneindex.com. Um, I was originally from the UK, you can probably tell a bit by my accent. Um, grew up there, went to college there, but um, once I finished college, I moved to the US. I've pretty much been here ever since and um, initially was in Boston for a long time and then moved to San Diego four years ago now. Definitely. Awesome, man. So I'm actually curious to dive a little bit deeper into that, you know, just your story and your journey in general. So what part of the UK specifically, uh, what led you over here to the US and, and more about that journey specifically? Um, so I was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, and then I grew up on the English-Scottish border. Um I uh, I first came over when I was 19. Um, I barely even really coached before much, but obviously soccer was a huge passion growing up, watching it, playing it, everything like that. Um, so when I came over at 19, it was just coming over what I thought was going to kind of one-off experience where I'd come and coach summer camps and experience the US for the first time. I've never been to the US before and just kind of get the culture and everything like that. And then, you know, maybe come back, do it again, but I never really envisaged been here long term by any means so just from there just kind of snowballed kept coming back every summer and then once like I said once I graduated I got a job out here full-time in Boston um so moved out here and again just just things kept kind of snowballing and new opportunities and in 2010 started my my first company one on soccer.com that's amazing yeah. man yeah and so it sounds like obviously it's something you kept coming back every summer and seems like there's a lot you're enjoying about the U.S. to where eventually you know, wanted to move here. And like, obviously you landed that job and that's something that's very helpful in that process. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you got into coaching. Um, were you a player growing up and then how did that lead into coaching? Or, yeah, a little bit more about that background. Yeah, I mean, so, so I played, I played a, a decent standard. So yeah, I played um, like the, the town where I was living, had a, a professional club there, like Lower Scottish League. Um, so you played youth team soccer for them. Um, and played in college as well in England, where I went there. Um, but other than that, yeah, nothing to you know really write home about in terms of of playing. I was always more focused on the game itself and studying the game. And I want to, like I said, want to get into coaching. So took my coaching badges relatively early, um, seventeen, eighteen years old. Started taking those um, and got the got got the initial job as well with little to no coaching experience. Really, just the the initial qualifications. When I came over, like I said, when I was nineteen, I was the youngest person in the entire entire company at that time, so it was a bit of a bit of an eye opener. Yeah, no, that's, that's an amazing accomplishment too, and it's it's cool when you discover that thing that you're really passionate about within soccer from a young age, so that then you can you know learn everything about it and then take that deep dive like you did, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like that first job was it was that in Boston then? That was that was actually in New York in Long Island. Um, so. It's, they were more or less purely like a camp and clinic company. Um, so they'd bring out um, guys like myself in, in their droves, ma mainly like college students on like three month visas, J1s as they were. So they'd bring mm -hmm. like people like me out in their droves where, you know, they have three, four months off over the summer 
kind of kicking their heels you know, rather than looking for a job in your, your hometown when you're back home. How about you come out to the US and, and experience something different and put your talent and and your interest to good use where you're coming out and it, it was a great thing as well where you have, I mean, you're talking 2002, so it's not really the modern day even either. So the soccer landscape here was a lot different. It's, you know, kids didn't really have access to, to professional coaches or the club environment was nowhere near as well structured as now, everything like that. And same thing with, with soccer parents as well. Again, they hadn't really played themselves to any sort of standard, a lot of them, or don't really watch it. There wasn't really much access to, to soccer on the TV, I remember. So yeah, completely different landscape. So you were going out then, almost treated like a celebrity. And here I am, <laughs> almost my first coaching job. I'm 19, like the guys around me only, you know, 20, 21, 22. So they're not much older, more experienced than I am. And we're treated like, you know, soccer legends going out there and, and teaching the kids. So it was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be cool to yeah. experience for yourself. You kind of <laughs> come over here and like, yeah. dude, this is great. And, the <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Which I never, I never saw coming. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> that's awesome, man. So then, so that was in New York. Yeah. And then how did that lead to then Boston and then now San Diego? Um, yeah. So I did that for three years. I did, um, it was a it was kind of a mixture of New York initially, and then it was Michigan as well. Um, so I was there, and then I finished my degree, and then I left my position in Michigan once my visa ended. And I kind of had the intention, because I, I actually went to art school and studied graphic design. So my intention then was, okay, time to kind of, you know, back to the real world and get a, a you know, quote-unquote real job in the UK. And, you know, the, the adventure's kind of over. Um, little did I know how difficult it was and how competitive it was to get a job in, in that field at that time. Um, and then the opportunity came to get the job in Boston. I saw an advert um, for this large, large club. And um, not just was it as a coach, but working in the marketing department potentially is graphic design. So it kind of combined both worlds. Um, and when I got that job, it was, you know, huge for me. Well, all of a sudden combining all my passions together and then and then moving out there. That's amazing, man. Yeah, anytime you can combine passions mm -hmm. together, it's honestly the best feeling. And that's kind of how I feel now with, you know, combining my passion for physical therapy with my love yeah. of soccer. So I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. And uh, yeah, when you find that, it's kind of like, hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah. So no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, well, that's cool, Phil. So how did that all lead to now oneononesoccer.com? This is your coaching business here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Also have, you know, a branch in Boston as well. Yeah. Um, tell us a little about how, you know, the inception of your business, how that all came about and kind of what, what kind of things you guys do today. Yeah. So I, um, I worked for the, the club I mentioned earlier for five years. Um, and then in 2010, I made a decision to, to depart and do my own thing. Um, I'd done a little bit of little bit of private one-on-one -on -one training whilst I was there, um, but it was mostly like saying uh, coach uh, coaching club teams and things like camps, clinics, everything like that. Um, but something I always really really enjoyed, and at the same time I saw there's a huge gap in the market there for someone to do it full time and to do it professionally as well. Um, I mean, you saw people doing it, but a lot of times just you know doing the odd session like once twice a week or during the summer when it's more the off season and a little more time, but having someone who potentially be there year round and do it as their full-time position wasn't really a, wasn't really a thing. And, you know, it was when I mentioned the people, people were really surprised that was the path I was, I was planning to take, but it's, it's where I saw the gap in the market and um, yeah, it's, it's what I was already uh, passionate about. 
No, you're right though, because there are, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of camps. There's a lot of, um, you know, large group trainings, which does have their, you know, benefits to it as well. But mm -hmm. I definitely see what you're saying where there's less of that personalized approach in the community, um, whether it's here or, you know, in Boston, whatever it is. Um, and obviously, you know, people have their, their personalized sessions that they do as well, but it sounds like you going down the route of, you know, personalized one-on-one -on -one sessions mm -hmm. is something that was more of that gap in the market, but also something that a lot of people can benefit from, right? Oh, so that actually leads perfectly into one of the things that I was hoping to ask you about is what are some of the pros and cons to, you know, personal like one-on-one -on -one sessions versus, you know, small group or large group sessions? Mm -hmm. Um and does that does that lend better for a certain type of athlete or yeah just tell, tell us a little bit more about that i think it benefits all players depend you know it doesn't depend on their on their level don't have to be a highly elite player or anything like that it's just a case of giving them that that personal attention where yes it's it's obviously a good thing they're playing club they're playing high school playing college etc and also doing you know different clinics and what have you around that but none of them really offer the sort of training that that one-on-one -on -one training offers where we can give that individual attention and really pinpoint little areas in their games that otherwise might really get um, overlooked, where I'll come in and, and do certain drills with the player and I'll see these weaknesses that haven't really been spotted or or tackled before. Um, and, you know, having having that alongside what they're doing in terms of with their, their club teams and the other teams, that sort of thing, I think is, is massive for a player of any level. Um, and again, like I said, um, regardless of level, whether they're, a beginner and just looking to get early touches on the ball and, and just that general, you know, um, look, look to try and get uh, just a, a basic level and just improve their level in terms of where they're at and make make a team all the way up to someone who, who might want to go pro or might want to play D1 college or anything like that, where whatever level they're at, we can then help to get them um, towards where they look to try and achieve towards. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's about finding the individualized strengths, challenges, things that they can work on, mm -hmm. and then going from there, where oftentimes, and maybe in a group setting, especially larger group settings, some of these qualities that they need to work on or things they might benefit from developing often go unnoticed because of, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of people to, to have eyes on at one time. And so if I'm hearing you correctly, that having these one-on-one -on -one sessions really allows you to, first of all, identify those things that are going to be helpful to work on to improve mm -hmm. their game. And second of all, work on actually improving those things as in a more individualized approach. Am I understanding that correctly? Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. Far? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, Definitely. it's obviously all about the individual with our sessions um, and to go off on a little bit of tangent as well. I mean, I've done... I've done some some camps and clinics and what have you uh, during that time. I haven't solely just done one-on-one, -on -one, even though it's the majority of what I do. And I feel the frustration myself kind of stepping back into what I used to do, where it's more group-based. And you see things in certain players' games, but you can't really address them to the extent where you want to. You can make more of a general point or spend that little bit of time with the player, but at the same time, you've got you know, 10, 15, 20 others where they're doing their thing where you can't really focus on that individual that much. Whereas in a one-on-one -on -one or even a partner session, you can take that time and you can really explain things and break it down and show them step-by-step. Step. And when you see them then improve upon that, it's, you know, it's huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's gotta be the most fulfilling, rewarding part when mm -hmm. you 
guys work on those things that you guys identified and then yeah. see that translate into yeah. the game, right? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm curious as well, even, you know, so what I heard earlier was that, you know, most players, actually all players could potentially benefit from these personalized sessions, right? Are there any almost like cons that you see to these personalized sessions or uh, any things that you might say, hey, maybe this athlete will do better in this group setting or mm -hmm. or how do you usually view that? Um, the only time I've really seen that is on the younger side. So we tend to start at seven, eight. And I would say, I would say the majority of seven, eight-year-olds are, are fine with it. Again, depending on, you know, it doesn't really matter so much on their level, even they're a beginner, as long as they're focused. But sometimes the maturity level is, is difficult where I don't feel they're quite as receptive as they as they could be in, in more of a group setting. So that's really the only time where I've kind of said to the parent that, look, maybe, you know, get them involved in more more group focused work and then maybe, you know, six months, a year down the line, come back and try another session and see how they respond to it. So other than that, I haven't really had, haven't really had that as an issue with any player really. Yeah, no. And that's a great point to, to really think about. Cause that's something that I, I didn't even think about myself where you're right. There's a certain age level where like, it's not even maturity, but I don't know. It's a lot of things, attention span, mm -hmm. the, uh, the the dedication to certain things and you're right where it's potentially at a certain age they might get more out of the training or if they come back later on right mm, yeah um and that's that's good to know as well for like all parents out there coaches and, and people that might be deciding as far as like which route to take um again the good news is that you know it doesn't have to be this route or that route it can be kind of both yeah um and depending on where your athlete is at there are multiple options right mm -hmm. so i'm curious to hear what does a typical one-on-one -on -one soccer session look like for you guys? Obviously, you know, everything's going to be individualized to the athlete themselves. Yeah. But there are, are there typical things that you guys like to work on with most of your athletes? Um, a lot, a lot of technical work. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of technical work. Um, a lot of it will, um, will vary session by session as well. Um, whether we kind of pick different areas that we feel they want to, that they should focus on, or they have requests as well for us. Um, but just, just a standard session to give you like a quick breakdown. So 10, first 10, 15 minutes will be a warm up, whether that's technical based or even, you know, agility based or a mixture of the two even. Um, and then we'll do, you know, three, probably fit three more, three more different um, activities in where it's different drills. Again, along the same lines, what we've already covered in the warm up, where there's more of a theme. So if you're working on um, passing, receiving, we'll do maybe something that's short range, more, more technical, like different touches, and then we'll work to a longer range. Uh, might add some some different skill work in there as well, um, some some different challenges. So again, it depends on on their level um, that, that that we that we plan around. But like I said, there'll be a theme, and we'll have that flow through the session where everything flows one into the next. And at the same time, after that session, if there's areas where we need to then expand on from that, we will do that. And there's, Maybe it's another area they want to work on or we want to try and tackle or mix it up that way as well. Yeah, definitely. Just meeting them where they're at, mm -hmm. right? As far as like, you know, what they need, but also what they want and what they're hoping to improve on as well, right? Yeah. And I'm sure oftentimes those two things match where you're seeing that, oh, they really need to work on this area. And they also say, hey, I really want to improve in this area. Mm -hmm. And you're like, sweet, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's also times where it's like, 
almost different things. But again, you, it sounds like you do a good job of including both in the session so that you're meeting them where they're at, right? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Awesome, man. Well, cool. So, um, so obviously, you know, you have your one-on-one soccer.com, um, you know, private trainings that you have. Actually, let me ask you this right now in San Diego, is it just you or you have a team and is it only in San Diego or are you also in other areas? Um, yes. Yeah, so I expanded the business. I touched on this a little bit earlier. It's four years ago. I moved here, um, to start, start the business here. Initially I, I was with, um, affiliated with a club doing it through a club. Um, but I've since gone out on my own and, and brought my own company here. Um, so there's myself and one other right now, one other coach in San Diego, looking to try and expand that as well further in the, the coming months and years. Um, and then we're still in Boston. We have four coaches still in Boston as well, working there where we initially started in, in 2010. So yeah, it's exciting between, between the two different cities from one, one, uh, one area of the country to the other, having, uh, having one-on-one soccer training there available for them. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, it's cool that we have that mutual friend in Boston too. If yeah. Zach and Steph are listening to this, which yeah. is probably not, but <laughs> shout out to them. So, um, but yeah, man, awesome. So, and I'm curious as well, within San Diego, is there a specific region that you tend to focus on more or um, are you throughout the county or how does that usually work? Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm personally based in North Park. Um, the other coach well is based in South Park, so we're both very close to one another. So we pretty much do like a 30-minute radius of that area. So that's, you know, out as, up as far north as La Jolla, um, out as far as Santee, La Mesa, down to Coronado, Chula Vista. So we cover cover quite a wide range. Um, yes, we've we've got quite a quite a wide range of uh, of, of areas where we where we try and cover. Yeah, that's awesome. And the good news about North Park is that it's pretty central to most places, um, so it really allows you to tap most areas of the county, right? Mm-hmm. And so when when you guys do have that personal one on one session, is that something that you guys with you and your client you meet at a specific field, or do you go to them, or how does that usually work for you? Uh, yeah, we, we tend to meet them more kind of in the area where they're based, so it's convenient for them as well. Um, so say if we've got a player from Chula Vista, we may meet them in Chula Vista, we may meet them somewhere like Coronado, where there's different spots that we, we tend to use, whether that be parks or or fields that, that, that we use. So um, there's, there's quite a few different locations that we use on a, on a regular basis that are more kind of our go-to areas, but at the same time, if there's a, a neighborhood park that, that a player uses quite a lot and it's really convenient for them, we'll, we'll meet them there. Um, yeah, so we're not we're not opposed to, to traveling, you know, 20, 30 minutes to go and make it convenient for a player. Yeah, definitely. You do what you got to do, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm also curious, you know, this is a little slightly off topic here, but I'm curious on how you balance having these one-on-one personal sessions or how even the family balances these sessions with on top of any team trainings that they have on top of any games that they have is this something that you ever have like conflicts there whether it's scheduling whether it's uh athlete energy levels um how do you usually manage that within the schedule uh that that can be tough that's all it's always been an issue ever since its inception 2010 um yeah i mean especially on the elite side the players schedules are very very busy um and at times i'll go three four months on them without seeing a player. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's difficult with, you know, all their schedules with club, if they're doing, you know, strength conditioning with, with guys like yourself even. So fitting everything can be very difficult. A lot of time, the one-on-one training sessions is 
is the one that, that makes way for their, their schedules because other things tend to be more structured where it's obviously team session, you've got, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with your club. There's not going to be time then to, to to come and train with me. Maybe fit it on the Friday, but then if you've got strength condition or something else on the Friday and then weekends you've got games, it's, it's very difficult at times. So that's definitely something that's always been difficult and at times a little bit frustrating as well where you you know, get a real momentum going, a real rapport going with a player. And then all of a sudden you don't see him for three, four months to come back. And you can kind of see a lot of the work you've done previously is, is kind of gone a little bit where they've lost that momentum. And even though they've, they've been playing, what have you during the time, um, you, you definitely, you definitely see that in players sometimes where they, where they do stop because their schedule doesn't allow it, where they, they can step back a little bit in terms of from a, a technical standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And I think you bring up a good point, an interesting point. Actually, many interesting points that I could go off of. But uh, one of them is the fact that sometimes these athletes go three to four months at a time without working with you. or with It could be any other coach, right? But mm -hmm. just spending a lot of time with their teams and playing soccer. And oftentimes when you see them return, you actually see them playing at a lower technical level than they were before. Mm -hmm. you, you would think almost like they're playing more soccer Maybe they'd, maybe they'd improve just throughout playing soccer. What do you find that is potentially a reason for that or, a, or at least a contributing factor to some of these findings that you have? Um, that with uh, Whether it's club or high school or college or whatever, a lot of time, like I said, it's team-based. They don't get that individual attention. Um, and the, the main priority is obviously the result, You know whether you win the game, whether you win the tournament. Um, and I feel a lot of times players can then take a step back in terms of their own individual development technically. Um, you know, they may have stepped up in other areas um, physically, tactically. They may, they may be better than where they were, you know, three, four months ago. But I find a lot of time technically that's where their game kind of steps off a level um, when it comes back. And it's, it's not the case with all players, but I, it's definitely something I have seen um, the, the biggest one is high school. Um, for example, in, in Boston, it's, it's the fall season where it's high school. So it's more the winter and the schedules can be kind of crazy with nonstop training, nonstop games. And again, you don't see them for, for, for months on end and they'll, they'll be doing all this work with, with their, with their coach at high school will come back and they'll actually be a step below where they were, where that's me. Now, one on one as a private trainer, or when I was a club coach as well, I had the same thing where they'd come back to their their club team after that, and you do notice that they're probably you know a step off from where they were, which is a little bit unfortunate, to say the least. Yeah, definitely, and that's something that we see in physical therapy as well. You know, I think because in in your field, obviously the technical aspect suffers in physical therapy as well. What we find with these very rigorous training schedules and game schedules and everything. Mm -hmm is yeah, just athletes don't have time to recover. And, you know, a lot of times that could potentially lead them at a increased risk for injury. Yeah. Um, if they do have, you know, an injury that they're kind of pushing through sometimes that can aggravate things or make things worse. It just, it's a tough thing. Um, and even just for like fitting in rehab sessions, it's like, Oh no, we have this practice and then that practice. And then yeah, yeah. this thing. I, so I, I definitely, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. So I definitely feel what you're saying. It can be a, a really hard thing. And that's something that, you know, it sounds like it's something that's nationwide, even like almost worldwide as well. If you think about the World Cup and mm -hmm. how often professionals are playing now too, and yeah, they keep adding tournament after tournament, a lot, and a lot of injuries pre-tournament. 
yeah because the oh yeah definitely really ramping up yeah for sure yeah absolutely and so so yeah that's one of those things that it sounds like i don't know if what what needs to change if it's more like a systemic change or or what it is but um but yeah i can see how that definitely adds a lot of complexity to the mix so um but yeah so phil for those who don't know obviously you're a social media celebrity <laughs> with uh, with one-on-one soccer index right but um why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you know one-on-one soccer index what that is and uh really what that looks like today so yeah so it's a social media marketing um site um i started it initially in 2014 uh came up came up with the idea so there was um the idea kind of came originally from from coach up which um basically pairs athletes with with coaches throughout the US. Um, but I didn't really want to get involved with the whole kind of back and forth part of it. I wanted coaches to have that autonomy to still do their own thing, just set up the initial um, point of contact where either through our website or through our social media, through email, anything like that, we get um, players or parents coming to us and looking where's a coach in our area who um, can can work with our with our player? Um, so that was that was the original idea, and then it, it, again, it's something that that kind of snowballed over time, where Instagram started getting more and more popular, and more and more businesses, in particular, soccer coaches, soccer trainers, were putting their their uh, content out there. So um, what we did was we combined the two, where not only did we have the website with your company listing on there for people to find. But also we had it where we were able to now promote through Instagram, um, through a following that kept um, going, getting bigger and bigger over time, improving. Um, and we were able to, to post video content for our coaches to that large audience. So all of a sudden um, we were able to really, really promote them to a wide audience and a specific audience um, where they could promote their, their training directly. That's amazing, man. And for the for those who don't know in the audience, his uh, this one on one soccer index page on Instagram has close to around seventy seven thousand followers. Yeah, I think it's seventy seven thousand. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's an impressive feat, man. That's that's really you know not an easy thing to do, and it sounds like you know it came from from really wanting to help the community out and you know connect athletes to qualified coaches that can really help them, right? Yeah, I'm curious. Do you find that there was anything in particular that really led to that sort of growth for that page or, um, or anything that you found like, Oh wow. Okay. Like this, this is really, you know, helping me grow here. Um, just, just posting good quality content on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah. And it just, I just feel like it, it just grew and grew and grew. Um, you know, we, we have members. So to explain a little further, members get one post per month of their choice, one video post per month. So they send that over. So we, we post out for them. Um, and then we also post some content from, from players. We get players all the time sending us DMs with, with their videos. So we post some of, some of that content, post some pro content or even just kind of random videos that I think will be really beneficial for our audience. So there's no kind of one big like secret as such. It's just, again, a lot of times just persistence and good, good quality content. And you do kind of learn the job a little bit as well. What works, what doesn't in terms of the the engagement for posts. So you, you kind of scrap what isn't working. You keep doing what is working and yeah, it, it definitely pays dividends. 
Definitely just refining and, and repeating, mm-hmm. right? And it's, I think it's cool how, you know, you have coaches, players, um, you know, different trainers. And I think when they when their content gets posted, I'm sure they share it to their audience, which hopefully then shares it to somebody else. And, you know, I can see how that can compound on each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool, man. Where are you? I mean, what's your – I guess I'm curious as far as not only one-on-one soccer index, but also just one-on-one soccer.com. Where are you hoping to take these things in the next few years? Um, are there any specific goals that you wanted to achieve with either of these things? And uh, and what does that look like for you? Um, yeah, so one on soccer.com to first to start with the, the training business. Um, want to just keep expanding more so in the, the San Diego area. Um, the, the Boston side of the business we've gone now for just over 12 years. Um, so we're kind of happy where that's at and kind of keep that going more or less as it is. Um, San Diego, me moving over here four years ago and hiring new staff here now. We want to keep expanding upon that, keep moving into new areas, um, looking potentially more the more your kind of area, the Slana Beach, Del Mar, um, those type of areas, Carlsbad. So that's an area we don't really work in right now. So that's one for the future where we want to try and expand more that area. Um, at the same time around where we are right now, more around San Diego itself, we want to keep expanding this area. Um, and then getting on to the one-on-one soccer index, um, again, all about expansion. So we've been going since 2014, like, like I said. Um, and since then, initially, it was just in the U.S. We've expanded to worldwide. Um, um, we've also expanded the site where a big state like California is now into separate counties, um, a country like England, which had a huge amount of listings. We've, again, separated into separate regions. Um, and we'd like to get that way as well with, with different states, different countries as well, where we're at a point where it's we've got so many coaches that um, we have to then separate into, into different regions, different counties, that sort of thing. So those coaches can get all the exposure and it's a lot easier to search for those individual, individual trainers as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, another thing as well um, is on the affiliates. So on one-on-one soccer index, we have a range of affiliates that that we work with, where we we promote their service, their product, and again, that's another thing as well is is getting more affiliates over time and expanding that reach and having them offer, you know, different deals and offers for for our for our audience as well. That's amazing, man, and it's so cool to see you know not only where it's grown to now, both you know both one-on-one soccer dot com, but also the index. But also where you're hoping to take these things and, you know, expansion, whether it's throughout San Diego, but also with all the things that you have going on with Soccer Index as well, man. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, I mean, I just want to applaud you on that because I know that that is not easy to do on either of those fronts, whether it's cool. the, the training business or social media. So, man, good on you, definitely. Thank you. Um, well, cool, man. So here's what I'm thinking. We're going to go into stoppage time, which is a final, you know, quick fire, four questions or so that you can kind of just answer however you may. But before we do that, where can people find more about your, you know, your company, your business and your services that you offer, um, whether it's social media or websites or anything? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'll give you the train business. So it's the, the domain is oneonesoccer.com. Um, and then the same thing for the, the Instagrams. The main one we go through again, it's one on soccer.com spelled out as in the dot and the com spelled. Um, and then one on one soccer index, the domain is one on one index.com. And then the, um, the Instagram is one on one SI. 
Got it. One-on-one SI. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're a parent out there and you're looking for, you know, personalized training for your child in San Diego, this is a great option. So I think any of those domains would be a great place to start, specifically the training ones, the one-on-one soccer.com. Um, and then, yeah, if you're a coach out there listening and want a little bit more exposure, one-on-one soccer index is a great place to go. So I think I'd follow those links as well. Um, well, cool, man. Before we wrap up and head into these stop type questions, anything else you wanted to add or anything you, any message that you wanted to get out there to, whether it's players or coaches or anybody in the San Diego soccer community? Um, I, I guess to blow my own trumpet a little bit, but is um, if you haven't tried private training, give it a go. I mean, whether it's myself, whether it's someone else, is someone in your area offering it, you know, give it a try. Even if it's just a, a one-off session, give it a try and, and, and check it out. I've seen the improvement in players firsthand myself um, over, you know, 12 plus years now. And um, I mean, there's some great trainers out there. I I see it myself on social media. I see it myself even at the field as well sometimes. So there's there's great trainers out there that that will improve your player for sure. Definitely, man. So definitely check out personal, you know, one-on-one soccer training sessions if you haven't already, because I think it could be a great way to go. Um, Well, cool. So let's head into stoppage time. It's, Four questions that we kind of do rapid fire, and then we'll go from there. So the first question is, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Um, I said before the tournament, Argentina. And uh, even though they lost to Saudi Arabia and have looked a, a little shaky at times, especially late in games, I'll, I'll, I'll stick by it. I mean, I can probably see France, but I'll, I'll stick with my original prediction to Argentina. And the, uh, right. the keeper plays in my favorite team, Aston Villa, so that helps. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah, no, France is, is looking pretty scary for sure. But I, I'm also in the same boat. I really want Argentina to win. Mm-hmm. You're right that they definitely look shaky at times. But uh, but I think the unity is there. The passion is there. And, and hopefully they can bring it home, especially for Messi, man. I think that'd be, yeah, that'd be awesome to see. So. Um, second question is, who is your favorite player? Um... That's a tough one, so I don't really have one right now. It was Jack Grealish. Again, I'm an Aston Villa fan. It was Jack Grealish. Unfortunately, he moved to Man City, so there goes that. Um, <laughs> my favourite player is, is probably... I've got a few. I've got a few. I like Jude Bellingham a lot. Jude Bellingham, I think, is an excellent young player. I'll, I'll give you some younger players up and coming. Jude Bellingham, um, Erling Haaland's a fantastic young player, and then Mbappe probably the three young players that really stand out to me as being world-class right now. Yeah, they're all so good. And, and early Holling, he, this, this guy is just like scary, like robot status. When I think of him, I think of Ivan Drago from Rocky yeah. four. He's yeah, like, he's a monster. Machine, you know? yeah. <laughs> scary. So uh, yeah, no, those are all great options for sure. Um, so question number three is what is your favorite restaurant in San Diego? I'll give you one that's, uh, I used to live next to his taco stand. I used to live downtown. Taco stands are yeah. really, really good spot. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Really good spot. Yeah. The sauces that they have over there is yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really good spot. I love that. So awesome. Final question. You know, one of the main pillars with this podcast and everything that I do is, you know, connecting and inspiring and elevating the San Diego soccer community. Right. And so, mm-hmm. Who's one person or organization or really anything in the San Diego soccer community that you really see out here killing it and you want to give a little shout out to? 
Um, there's a few in the area. There's there's one that I was aware of um, before even moving here because again they they were advertising through one on soccer indexes. Jerry Ruiz from Ankle Breaker Soccer. It's based out of, of Coronado. Um, so he he does the same things me. He does one on one sessions. He does um, he does it's mostly sh- like strike striker camps. He does a lot of as well during during the summer in particular. So I have had players who have either done privates with him or done his camps that. Again, speak speak really highly of him, and he's heavily involved as well with the the Coronado um, soccer community as well. There, he's, he's heavily involved there. So, yeah, he's he's definitely a good guy and a and a good coach. That's amazing, man! Awesome. Well, cool, Phil. Thank you so much for your time. Um, again, if you guys are looking for more of that personalized, you know, one on one sessions for your child or athlete, definitely check out one on one soccer dot com with Phil, and he's got a great team here. And uh, he'll make sure to take good care of you. So, again, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. And hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, JP.